Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 183. The Drabblecast is a weekly short fiction audio magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. On this week's show, we take a look at the revelator, the shaman, the medium, the crazy-ass person who communicates with the big being from beyond, revealing its sacred and mysterious desires. And Balboa ye shall have. Folks, this week's story by Tim Pratt is the embodiment of what this podcast is all about. It's like the great colossal squid in the sky gloriously revealed itself to Tim one day, and then, boom, Drabblecast 316. Let us first enter the Temple of Strangeness with a 100-word story, shall we? This week's Drabble is called Dear God, and it comes to us from Henry Godet. Henry's a newcomer to fiction, professionally at least. He is, in no particular order, a husband, a father, a Pennsylvanian living in Ireland, a freelance writer, and a bad dancer. Hope you enjoy. Dear God... Please bless Mommy, Daddy, Danny, and everyone I'm supposed to say. I know you're busy making rain and stuff, so if you want, you can skip Danny. I didn't want to bless Danny because he's mean and he smells. Mommy said he doesn't, but he does. He stinks like Daddy's cheese and he farts all the time. Ranger's smelly too, but he's a dog, so that's okay. Ranger's not mean, so I love him. If Danny were a dog, I could have his bedroom. So, please turn Danny into a dog, and then you can bless him. Our sermon this week, as I mentioned earlier, comes to us from Tim Pratt. Tim writes fantasy and science fiction, but also nonfiction and poetry. You've of course heard him several times on the Drabblecast in the past, most recently with his Lovecraft-inspired story Cinderlands, which we commissioned from him back in August. If you're a fan of Tim's work, you'd love The Next, his new serialized science fantasy adventure novel, which you can read for free over at timpratt.org slash It's great stuff. The story is revealed to you by the prophet Hardy White. 
For six years, Hardy was the host of the hilarious Miracle Nutrition Hour, a weekly one-hour spirituality and entertainment show on WVFS 89.7 Tallahassee, Florida. He also hosted a cable access show and has been helpful to others in small ways. I first came across Hardy while playing as kind of the comedy music Greek chorus in a small offbeat theatrical multimedia performance that ran in Baltimore, put on by a group called the EMP Collective. Several of Hardy's YouTube video rants were also played throughout the show, and I thought they were hilarious. So, hey, I snagged the audio from a few to play here on the Travelcast. You folks at home, stick around after this week's story for further revelations by Hardy White concerning the end of days. For now, though, let's get to the story. Without further ado, we bring you Angel of the Ordinary by Tim Pratt. Today I started painting the trailer bright red. Vermilion is what the paint can says, but it's red all right. The color of tongues covered in strawberries, rich carpets, and embers. I got the door painted and most of the concrete steps. When the angels of discrimination come to scourge the ordinary, I won't be among the punished. Some of the tenants came out and gawked, standing in their bathrobes and shuffling in their sandals, holding snotty kids in their arms. They mostly shook their heads and wandered off after a while, except for old blind Miss Moore, who grabbed my arm and told me her water heater was busted. Sure, I'll fix it. No reason a lady should have cold water while awaiting her final judgment. She tries to watch TV and drinks about a case of Coors every night, which is peculiar for an old blind lady, but I don't think it's enough. The angels have to take stock of things quick, and they aren't apt to notice something as subtle as watching TV when you're blind. Old Miss Moore won't stand out when they burn away the boring, and she'll go down in the fire with the rest. I got inside and put on my gloves, sewed all over with rhinestones and sequins. I draped the rest of my colored beads around my neck and tied a bell around my ankle, so if my body should stray from my spirit in the night, my spirit will hear and fetch it back. Those things happen. We lost my daddy that way. I turned on the TV and switched to the special satellite station, that one that's supposed to be in between signals. God wasn't on yet, so I went and made a bag of microwave popcorn. I sprinkled bacon bits and sweet tarts into the bag, and I was looking for the taco sauce when God said, Hey! I hustled to the living room and sat in my lawn chair. Hey, God, I said. You're looking mighty fine today. God looked like a slime monster this time. He was broadcasting from a nightly news set. The monitors behind him showed angels with flaming swords riding giant locusts around a dirt bike track. God wiggled on top of the news desk. He looked like a bathtub full of lime jello without the bathtub. Have you marked your house? God asked. Have you set the signs and signifiers? His voice was monotonous and the rhythm was stilted. I realized he was reading off a teleprompter. Sure have, I said, feeling pretty good. I got a handful of popcorn sweet tart bacon and chewed it up. Have you brought the word to the masses? I rubbed my forehead. Well, I tried to lead by example. They gathered around when I painted the trailer. God wiggled furiously. You must take the word to them. The angels will arrive soon. All the mundane, the ordinary, the featureless will be consumed. He wasn't reading off the monitor anymore. I winced. They don't much like hearing the word, Lord have mercy. 
They're inclined to stay just the way they are and do things as they always have. They will come on bicycles and buy balloons. They will arrive in mailboxes and packages of cake batter. They will come like fleas on the dogs and like giants over the moon. The dull shall be turned into nothing by the coming of the angels. And four, Lord, I said, and pushed myself up. I stepped over the model trains and the puddle of chocolate sauce with the Barbie doll heads floating in it. I needed to put on my white vinyl jumpsuit and get the ladder. I'd preach from the rooftop, and maybe a few of the people in the trailer park, maybe the young ones, would follow my example and save themselves. Somebody knocked on my door. I wondered if an angel of discrimination would bother knocking. Seemed more likely they'd just come barreling through the aluminum walls. I opened the door. It's Cheryl. She had on a short skirt and a neck shirt. Her fingernails were painted bright purple. I grinned out loud. Lord Ham, she said. They called and told me you went crazy after I left. But I didn't think they meant crazy. What's all that in your beard? Bacon beets of sweet tarts, I said. Sherry, you got to hear the word. With fingernails like that, you can stand up proud and be counted. They're not going to do a thing to you. Let me in, Ham. Me and Vivaldo are quits. I stepped back, frowning. Vivaldo? Fellow on a motorcycle with a funny accent I remembered. From the days before the revelation. He wasn't ordinary or boring. I remembered Cheryl telling me that much. Maybe he's a prophet too, I thought. Maybe I remembered chasing after him with a shotgun and I couldn't think why I'd do that to a fellow warrior of the Lord God of fascination. Cheryl looked around the living room and heaved a big sigh. Her hair was stiff with spray and her bangs fountained up solid. You're gonna help me clean this up, Ham. I'm back for good and things can go back to normal. You don't need to be crazy no more. What happened to Vivaldo, I asked, go back to normal? She didn't know uh, what she was saying. You, you know how he always said he was a photographer? He sure is, makes his living taking naked pictures of women in the city. Didn't think I'd mind. Wanted to take some pictures of me, too. Said he could get me a modeling job if I've just let him change my hair and makeup. She patted her hair. I told him where he could stick his camera. Don't nobody try to change me or take pictures of other women when they're with me, neither. She came toward me and patted my cheek. Her voice got soft. Oh, Ham, I didn't know me leaving would unhinge you so much. What's got into you? What's with all this craziness? have to be different, I said. Can't be a lump on the couch. Nothing special about me before, just watching football on Sundays and working and sleeping in the recliner. Nothing worth anything, but that's all changed. Her mascara started to run. That's how I knew she was crying. I shouldn't have said those things to you, Ham. You're just fine like you are. I wouldn't want you to change at all. I didn't know a good thing when I had it. You don't have to be nothing special for me. Just be Ham is all. I was something back in high school, I said, picking bacon out of my beard and popping it into my mouth. Scored that touchdown in the homecoming game, hey, right? Went up on everybody's shoulders. The angels could see me then, but they didn't even notice the guys holding me up. She went and shut off the TV. God didn't say anything about it. She picked up my lawn chair and carried it outside. When she came back in, she wasn't crying anymore. Get those gloves off, Ham, she said, and started taking the aluminum foil off the couch. She spent all afternoon carrying my decorations out back to the trash heap and I helped her. She kept saying how things would go back the way they were. 
that she wasn't going to leave me again, that she had everything she needed right here and she'd been a fool to go looking for greener pastures. She said I was fine the way I was and she wouldn't take back Vivaldo with his accent and his big roaring motorbike and his fancy studio if he came crawling. I sat on the red steps come evening looking for angels in the sky, knowing they could be anywhere. In the Frisbee the Brogdon kid was throwing, in the, the trunk of the broken down Chevrolet next door, Shell brought me a course. Where's the magic punch, I asked. She wrinkled her nose. That mess of soda and orange juice and tea, you mean? That stuff wasn't right. I threw it down the drain. Wasn't fit for a normal person to drink. I wanted to tell her she was wrong, but it was so nice having her back, I couldn't. Eventually, she went to bed, trying to get me to come with her, but I couldn't. I was glad I hadn't started changing the bedroom yet, though. I went out back to the burn pile where she'd thrown all my ornaments, all my signs and signifiers. God was squatting on the trash heap. He smoked a cigarette made out of ditch weeds, and he wore big wings made of colored plastic wrap and coat hangers. I hemmed and hawed, kicked at the dirt. God looked like the quarterback on my old ball team, but I could tell he was God. Uh, Lord, I said. You see, the thing is, he waved his hand. It's all right, Ham. She's still got purple fingernails, and you're not going to watch TV so much anymore, are you? No, sir, I said. I don't think so. Why don't you take some dance classes like Cheryl always wanted and go to karaoke night at the Bluebird Lounge sometime? Cheryl liked that. She loves it when you sing old Elvis tunes. I smiled. I remember that. I haven't done that since high school. God pitched a cigarette away and stood up. You'll be all right. I've got nothing to worry about then. I won't be scourged. God flapped his plastic wings. Tell you what, a couple times a week you make dinner and put the toilet seat down after you use it. Then we'll call it even. Yes, sir, I hesitated. Lord, yeah, Ham. When the scourge comes, you know that Vivaldi, the one with the motorcycle? God waved his hand. Don't worry about him. He's typical. He's locust food. He's not genuine. God tapped his temple. I know these things. He flew off into the trees. I went back into the house whistling, wondering what kind of food I had in the house. I wanted to make shale breakfast in the morning, but I was afraid I'd use all the maple syrup on the lawnmower. I was all right. There were always scrambled eggs. our story hope you enjoyed give thanks to the flying green jello football player folks for he is good and speaking of thanking the good let's give a public shout out to this week's kick-ass donor of the week sean dartery sean's a 20-something trained librarian programmer and federal government contractor with a huge appetite for weird fiction He's a voracious reader of fiction and history, and currently suffering from the agonies of living in an area with a poor public library system, totally incapable of feeding that appetite. Thanks for your support, Sean, and sorry to hear about your library woes. We'll keep doing our best to provide sustenance each week in the audio fiction realm, at least. 
We can only hope to do so via the generous support of listeners like you there at home, or in the car, or on the treadmill, wherever. This show has costs, mounting costs at that, and you can help see the Drabblecast grow stronger week to week by pitching in. We've got several support options you can take advantage of. A donate once button in any amount, and buttons for a $5 a month automatic subscription, and a $10 a month automatic subscription, if you've got the means and you really dig the show. All easy to find off of our main page, www.drabblecast.org. You might have noticed that we don't miss weeks of this show, folks. The show might be late by a day or two every once in a while, but just like your bowel movements, you can count on us eventually. Oh, also a reminder, at our webpage, drabblecast.org, you'll see a limited-time offer for my CD, the hard copies of which I'm trying to clear out of my closet to make room and help finance the new Bartle CD in the works. Two CDs for ten bucks, one of them signed and personalized, the other a wondrous gift. Anniversary, perhaps. Grab them while you can, folks. Grab them whilst you can. All right, on to this week's 100-character TwitFix story contest winner. Congrats to Mike's. Twat this story out on Monday for those of you who follow us on Twitter at the Drabblecast. Jenny tucked the Bible beneath her holy headband. She was ready to exorcise these demons, exorcise the hell out of them. Work it. Well, folks, that's our show. Remember, it's produced with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means don't change any of it, don't sell any of it, but feel free to share it all you like. Blog about us, tell a friend, write us a review on iTunes or someplace, spread the good weird. Special thanks to this week's awesome episode artist, Count Blackula. Check out his stuff at www.countblackula.deviantart.com. We'll see you next week, weirdos. Until then, our staff is made up of associate editor Matthew Bay, a swarm of giant locusts on dirt bikes, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you that there's always scrambled eggs. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I do not feel fine. And when the apocalypse gets here, nobody's going to jump for joy like it's Quinn the Eskimo. It's going to be a bad time. There will be troubles everywhere. There will be seven seals. And what this means is not what you think. You will, The seven seals will seal your seven holes, the two ear holes, the two nostrils, the mouth. The Aretha and the anus will be sealed so that you will fill up with gas and millions will float into the air like uh, Chinese Olympic balloons. And then when they reach the sun like the myth of licorice, they will explode and there will be a rain of blood and guts and no uh, human body part bumper shoot will protect you from that rain of gruesome gore that will come out the sky. Every day is 20% chance that uh, someone's intestines are gonna land upon you and you're gonna be horrified. When the apocalypse comes, there will be four riders in the sky. First of all, uh, that Calvin, what's his name, that won the, uh, won the Kentucky Derby's gonna be in there too. He's, good, he's a good one. He's gonna be riding the horse of death. And then there's gonna be a horse of uh, dyspepsia. And then there's going to be a horse, a pale rider, who is the horse of not looking good in your summer clothes. And then there's going to be another rider 
It comes on. We don't know what this one's going to be. It's, it's a mystery, but it might be the president might be, make an appearance. And who's going to be the president at that time? I will not say. It is unknown to people right now when the apocalypse comes. And plague, there are going to be plagues like uh, corn, foot corns, but bad, and hemorrhoids, and uh, something called hyperhemorrhoids, which are going to be really terrible, going to be big as footballs, and you won't be able, there will be no donut pillow in the world large enough to satisfy your the itching and the burning, which is going to be intense. Certain things that you enjoy will no longer be around. Uh, for instance, sugar will be all gone and donuts will taste like hat or something like that. And everything will, and your clothes will evaporate, but people won't be, there will be no good looking people left and only naked, ugly people walking around with folds of fat hanging down and they'll turn up the, the fat folds and you'll see all things growing in there and demon puppets will come out of their fat fold and out of it will fall things that you lost that you thought were gone like socks or a ring or something will come out of there or uh, an uncle that you thought was lost in Pearl Harbor or the Bermuda Triangle and he will fall from the fat folds of the end time fat people. During the end of times there will be no need for watches just like there isn't now because people have them on their personal Ninibin devices and they say they could say I got a I got an app for that. Having your guts ripped out, I got an app for that. But you won't have one for that. You will not be prepared at the end of time when God comes down and says, now what's all this going on out here? And uh, you'll say, pardon me? And he'll say, you have not been, uh, you have been like the people of Sodom. When people, guests come into town, you've been gang raping. And really, you should be putting a mint on their pillow. Do you see the difference? There's a, there's a big difference, in fact, there. Uh, the mint on the pillow has nothing to do with their rectum at all, unless that's what they, who knows what people do with that mint, and that's up to them because it's a gift, and it's really yours to do with what you want. HardyWhiteShow.com or search for Hardy Whites on YouTube. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.